This is CKMS Radio Wireless. from the void. It's me, Tonight, I've decided to take a little break from the the best of 2023. I'm still going to do one or two more episodes. Um, one featuring the same kind of commercials-type releases. When I say commercial, I mean they have like a Wikipedia page and maybe record label. I do want to feature all independent musicians that released good music last year, including myself, um, Perry Urban, uh, probably some more Grunions, some Brad Sucks from Ottawa. Who knows? There's a few others around, like Venera and some other experimental stuff. So tonight I decided I'm going to go with a, a little thing I've been working on in the background for forever, I guess, because anybody who knows me knows that I have a like a insatiable thirst for new music. And when I say new music, I just mean new to me doesn't have to be as long as I can get a recording of it and listen to it and I haven't heard it before I'm going to be excited so one of the ways I started finding good music was through liner notes and through association so at one time I would buy records based off of the producer's name or different players or other things like that so the players, the term players is a jazz thing, right? They talk about who are the players because the song isn't as important as the people playing it when it comes to jazz music for the most part. And I mean, there's some beautiful compositions in jazz um, that were just brilliant compositions. But for the most part, jazz music, most jazz songs you've heard aren't originals. They're usually covers of another standard or a pop song or whatever. And they jazz it up. And that is where the magic comes from. The, the jazz musician that, well, the most influential jazz musician of all time, the, the guy that made this episode easy for me, because the idea of what I'm trying to get to is that I want to take a musician who's prominent and important and take all those little monsters that they pulled out of the schools and, and picked out of lines of people trying out because they saw something special in them and then gave them the tools they needed to sort of blossom and just unleash them on the world. So we're talking about Miles Davis tonight, and we're talking about some of those young musicians that he unleashed on us. Now, there's a lot of amazing, amazing musicians that I've played with Miles Davis. Like, I could go on all night talking about them, but, you know, the big guys, like, you know, like Charlie Parker and, you know, um, Thelonious Monk, you know, Stan Getz, you know, like, all of them. They've all played with Miles Davis, Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie. 
Art Blakey, you know, like some big ones in there, you know, and then some great names came out of his bands like Tony Williams. So, um, I, you know, again, we could have weeks and weeks and weeks of shows about the musicians featured, but we're going to go with the ones that are in my record collection that I really like. And one of the bands that features two musicians that play with Miles Davis um, when they were young, um, the rest of the musicians in this band have all played with Miles Davis at some point, but they they didn't start playing with Miles Davis till after this album and this, these songs were released. The two musicians featured on this song that got their start with Miles Davis are John McLaughlin and Billy Cobham. And we're talking about the Mahavishnu Orchestra, the band that pretty much started or pinnacleized the whole jazz fusion movement. So we're going to play a song off of their second album, The Birds of Fire, which is probably considered the quintessential jazz fusion record and the song we're going to play off this record is called Miles Beyond which was a tribute to Miles Davis so again this is Mahavishnu Orchestra their album is Birds of Fire this features Billy Cobham and John McLaughlin who are both in the Bitches Brew which is probably the one of the groundbreaking records for Miles Davis groundbreaking records one of the records where he was credited with pioneering a genre I think he was credited with pioneering, I think, five genres inside the jazz umbrella. And Bitches Brew was one of those big ones. I'm not a huge fan of the record, but I'm a fan of every musician that played on it. So here you go. Miles Beyond. Thank you. 
Next, we're going to go with a guy who's known as one of the greatest bass virtuosos out there. He's played with other than Miles Davis. He's played with Herbie Hancock and Luther Vandross, Wayne Shorter. Um, he was also um, the main songwriter and producer on Miles Davis's last three albums before he died. Uh, Tutu, Music from Siesta, and Amandla. Amandlia? I'm not sure. No, I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce it. And this guy is just a force of nature. Um, he's also played with like Eric Clapton and George Benson and Mariah Carey and Michael, John- Michael Jackson and Beyonce, Frank Sinatra, Aretha Franklin, Elton John, Joe Walsh, Jean-Michel Jarre, Bill Withers. It just keeps going and going and going. This is a record, this is a song off his record called Blast. And the song is called... Actually, sorry. The album is called Marcus. The song is called Blast.
So up next, we're going to play some music from probably one of the the more well-known musicians from the Miles Davis group and the Bitches Brew sessions in particular. We're going with Herbie Hancock. Now, Herbie Hancock had this solo record he released in the 70s called Headhunters, which spawned a band called Headhunters, which is still together today. Um, a lot of the members aren't with them because of their, you know, they died and whatnot. But this record leaves legacy, like almost untouchable. It's the songs in here have been sampled so many times that there's a good chance you you know a few songs off of here without ever, ever hearing the original versions. Um, the most obvious one would be a Chameleon, but it's like 15 minutes long, so I'm not going to play that. I'm going to play the shorter song on the record, which is called Watermelon Man, which features all sorts of weird, like, log drums and gankokuis, beer bottles and tambourines, and it's a wonderfully goofy song. It also features Bernie Maupin, um, who is also a player on the Bitches Brew Sessions. So again, this is Watermelon Man by Herbie Hancock and the Headhunters. Oh, <laughs> 
next, we got a couple more musicians that appeared in the Bitches Brew sessions. We got Joe Zalwindel, uh, who plays keyboards, synthesizer, piano, all that kind of stuff. Then we got Wayne Shorter, uh, who plays the saxophone and the the Computone Lyricon, um, which, if you don't know about it, um, the Lyricon, you should check out a band called Shadow Facts, uh, Shadow Dancer. The, the lead musician on the record whose name's escaping me is the inventor of the Lyricon which is sort of like a synthesizer but it's it's a reed instrument so it's played by it's like a flute with it's played like a keyboard kind of it's neat and this also features Alfonso Johnson on bass uh, Jacob Pastorius had shown up for the first couple times ever playing with uh, with the weather report uh, but at this point Alfonso was still playing most of the bass parts we got Nadia Michael Walden on drums. Not in this song, though. But I had to mention, because he's amazing. He's played with Ma Vishnu and John McLaughlin and Jeff Beck. And all sorts of wonderful musicians. But Chester Thompson plays drums on this one. Now, Chester Thompson didn't come out of the Miles Davis group. He's a little young, uh, but he grew up playing along with Miles Davis. Um, he kind of got his big break in bands like Weather Report, but Frank Zappa picked him up before this, and then eventually he was in Genesis placed um, Phil Collins on the kit so anyway this is from their album Black Market off their 1976 record and the song is called Elegant People
Okay, this next track, we're going with a few more members from the brew. We've got Chick Corea on keyboards in this one, composer, band leader. We've got Stanley Clark on bass. Um, just another powerhouse of a bass player. Likely the biggest influence on Marcus Miller, the guy we heard earlier. We've also got Lenny White, another open-handed drummer like Billy Cobham, who also played in the Bitches Brew couple of the best open-handed drummers I've ever heard and it's like they were going head-to-head I don't know if it was just a coincidence or that's why they were chosen I don't know basically an open-handed drummer is someone who plays drums left-handed on a right-handed kit which makes more sense just like a left-handed guitar player playing on a right-handed guitar it makes more sense I don't understand why those two things exist the way they do but they do and people continue to hammer down on playing them backwards so we're gonna play a track off of Return to Forever's third record, Him from the Seventh Galaxy. And this song features all the musicians I just mentioned, plus Bill Connors on guitar. Kind of an unknown jazz fusion brilliant guy. Kind of like um, Frank Gambaldi, someone else you probably haven't heard of. But you should check both those guys out. The song is called After the Cosmic Rain.
I, I don't like to typically repeat playing a, a musician, you know, um, twice in an episode, unless I'm featuring that musician exclusively, of course, right? But I'm going to feature John McLaughlin again. Now, part of the reason why is because we did Mahavishnu Orchestra, which was like this bombastic, hard rock, jazz fusion thing. We didn't play a bombastic song, but they're a very aggressive band. And John McLaughlin is one of those musicians that can do anything. He can play flamenco, guitar. Um, he does all sorts of beautiful... He's one of the, the most ferocious guitar players I've ever heard. Um, almost to a disservice, because it's like he concentrated too much on speed in a time when speed was not appreciated quite that much. Uh, John McLaughlin would have really flourished, I think, in the 80s and the 90s if he'd come up then. Um, but in the late 60s and early 70s, people weren't ready for machine gun guitar licks. Um, that was even one of his biggest criticisms for most contemporary musicians, like Frank Zappa. I remember one time I heard Frank Zappa, I read an interview where Frank Zappa was asked his opinion of John McLaughlin, and he said something like, um, he's gotten very skilled at operating his guitar like a machine gun. Which I, you know, it was a fair statement, um, but I also think that John McLaughlin was one of the few guitar players that struck fear in the heart of Frank Zappa. So I want to play something that's polar opposite to the Mahavishnu Orchestra, John McLaughlin. I want to play some Shakti. Shakti is a fusion band um, from India. Well, India and England, depending on which musician you're looking at. But it features John McLaughlin, um, Shankar Madhavan, and Zakir Hussain. And this is just some wonderful stuff. This song is called Face to Face off of their album, Natural Elements.
I'm looking at the clock. I'm starting to realize I'm running out of time. I had two more songs I wanted to play for you tonight. Uh, one was actually a Miles Davis song off of his 1980 record, The Man with the Horn. Um, the song was called Shout. So if you feel like you're missing out, go listen to Shout off of uh, Man with the Horn. But on the album Man with the Horn, it features a young guitar player named Mike Stern. And Mike Stern is super fluid, yet angular. He kind of reminds me of John McLaughlin, but he also has that Alan Holdsworth, Jeff Beck sort of like fluidity to him. He's a great middle ground. Um, I think he's sort of an unspoken genius. There's not enough people talking about Mike Stern. So tonight we're going to listen to some Mike Stern. He's got a vast record collection, and there was a couple songs I had in mind I wanted to play, but I don't remember the names of them, and I I couldn't find them. You know, maybe they weren't even on a Mike Stern record. Maybe they were Miles Davis songs I heard someplace else. I mean, he's definitely one of those guys that he's guest starred on way more, way many more records than, than he's released under his own name. Not as a disservice, just, just a fact. So, I hope you've been enjoying the the tour through Miles Davis's Monsters. Miles Monsters. I'm definitely going to do a show featuring Frank Zappa and the monsters he unleashed in the world. Um, maybe do some focus on uh, Robert Fripp and the King Crimson guys. There's been a lot of musicians that made their way in that band before they made their way out. Some were already out and about before they got trapped in that band. Guys like Bill Bruford, who'd already made his his chops in the bands like Yes. Bill Bruford's played with almost every great progressive rock band of all time. And unfortunately, he's been retired for about a decade, you know, which is too bad because the world could use some more Bruford, I can tell you that. Wonderful touch. Perfectly English. It's like his, he has a certain, like, pomp and circumstance to his, to his approach on the skins. Very serious stuff. So, got a new album out, so I figured I'd mention that before uh, I say goodnight. Work on this record now for about a year. Um, some of the songs in there uh, feature cutting edge technology. Um, software, I should say, is, is a technology. I don't use a lot of different uh, fancy hardware. I got some beautiful hardware synthesizers and a couple nice, well, I got a bunch of nice guitars too. But a lot of the hardware didn't make it on this album, you know, because a lot of it is software, which is the new hardware. In most modern studios, that don't cost a million dollars to put together. Software is what everything hinges on. I use a software to record everything, a digital audio workstation, and I use software to adjust everything. All my equalizers and my compressors and my expanders and my maximizers and my exciters and my chorus effects and my delay. and Almost everything you hear has got some sort of digital twist on it. And there's songs in there that were recorded the day some technology came out. Like, the day. Or they recorded a week before the technology came out, and then it came out, and then I utilized it to finish the song. Which is not like me. Usually I'm using antiquated software and antiquated equipment and doing my, my most with it. Um, and I feared that when I upgraded all my stuff, I would kind of get into one of those situations like when you have too many options and you don't know what to do and I would kind of lose my way and lose my my touch but I think if anything I've just put a magnifying glass on what I do best so this record I've been working on for a year 
Um, it hasn't been exclusive. I'm working on five records this year. This is just the first one that made it out. And uh, I'm working on mixing and mastering the next one tonight, after the show probably. <laughs> Tomorrow morning before work. And probably on my lunch break. But that's okay, because music is everything to me. And if it isn't obvious, you're not paying attention. So check it out. Death by Design, Bandcamp, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you listen to music. iTunes, I guess. Death by Design. And the album is called Taste. <laughs> 